0: Welcome to Untangle, the podcast from five-star app Meditation Studio. I'm Patricia Carpus, co-founder of Meditation Studio and your host on Untangle. Join us each week as we introduce you to authors, experts, and thought leaders who share their stories on how meditation and mindfulness practices have the power to change our lives. To kickstart the new year, if you haven't already, you can download the Meditation Studio app in the App Store where you'll find our new motivation collection with meditations designed to help you create new habits and make all your 2019 dreams come true. Later in January, you'll enjoy lots of new original music tracks to add to new deep sleep meditations and meditations for your kiddos. Our app is like having a little inspirational coach in your pocket when you're facing any challenge. If you have a minute, will you give us a review on the app and the podcast? It helps a lot to get the word out. And any comments for us, reach out at founders at meditationstudioapp.com. Today's guest is Natalie Zeises. Natalie is an eating psychology and nutrition coach. She shares that most of us know what we should or shouldn't be eating, but we struggle with impulse control and changing habits. She helps us understand how we can uplevel our self-awareness and love for ourselves and how we can make better choices for our overall health and well-being. She reminds us how important it is to ask the question, what is it that you really need right now? Often, our eating habits and food cravings are masking some other need. Natalie helps with some tools and strategies to help get more in touch with what we need so we don't use food to self-soothe. She talks about doing a joy inventory and reinforces how important it is for us to inject joy into our lives every day, all as a way of deepening our relationship with ourselves. It's a great time of year to be reminded of what's really important so we can be our best selves for the rest of the year. Now, here's Natalie. Natalie, it is so great to have you on Untangle today. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. You are going to share with us some of the things that we need to do to change our eating habits in 2019, which I'm really excited about. And I wanted to start by asking you, why do we have such a hard time changing our eating habits? That is the best question ever. And that
1: is the question that led me to become an eating psychology coach. I actually was going down the more functional nutrition, integrative nutritionist route. And then I was starting to see a real disconnect between knowing the nutritional information and knowing what I should eat and shouldn't eat and actually following through with those decisions, right? Because many of us know exactly what we should or shouldn't be eating, but we have such a hard time with. Following through with what's best for us to do. So that question is what led me to kind of seek a different path. And thank goodness I found Mark David, who is the founder of the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, and all of his work, and many others. But really, that was the first answer to that question for me. And we dug into the psychology of it and your relationship with your body and your food. And there's many reasons why people don't do What is good for them? And that's sort of what I get down to the bottom of with my clients is what is your reason? And how can we start to speak to that reason and have a conversation with it and understand it and love it and grow from it and learn from it and all of that? And then come out the other side, being able to really have good communication with ourselves and make decisions out of love and out of understanding the way we would in any relationship with a friend, with a loved one, with a partner. Without that good communication, we can't act kindly and lovingly towards that person in the way that they need. So it's basically the root of all of this is becoming a great communicator with yourself, which we're not taught to do in everyday life or in school or many times by our parents or anything. So that's sort of my first goal with a client is to teach them how to have a great communication with their inner critic, with their inner selves. And be able to really understand the decisions they make and the reasons behind them so that they can change them and make good decisions and make loving
0: decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious what are some of the, like in terms of the cases that you handle, what are some of the reasons that we have such flawed communication with ourselves?
1: First of all, just the fact that we're not really ever taught to tap into that. It's hard to even realize when your inner critic is potentially raging. And that was the case for me. I was having really sort of mean thoughts about myself. And I wasn't even aware of the fact that I was having it. So first of all, just the unawareness, which I think meditation completely helps with, because it gives you that space and that time to talk to your inner critic or your (laughs) inner loving (laughs) self. So meditation is a huge part of my practice. Number one is we don't have the time. We don't have the space to do that. Many of us are living in busy cities. We lead busy lives, especially now with our phones, constantly giving us stimulation and outward, giving our energy outward, looking at what other people are doing. And we just start to compare, right? And compare and despair. So a big reason for that is we look at what's going on with our neighbors or what's going on with our friends or what's going on with that person in Australia that we follow that influencer. And we start to just ask ourselves why we're not like that. And then we impose those judgments on ourselves. And we just say, be more like this person, be more like that person. And we're totally neglecting the uniqueness and the specialty that is us. So that's one of the things I think, not having the time and the space and the understanding of being with yourself and with your own thoughts and with your own unique life. And I think also just our culture is one of always trying to better ourselves or change something about ourselves. It's big in marketing and magazines and movies and commercials. It's always like, do this, buy this, change this, dye your hair, buy this makeup product. So we're primed to be looking for something outward to help us, to change us. So it's hard to just accept that maybe you're totally fine as you are and you can trust your inner instinct instead of needing to constantly control it or go on this diet or follow this advice. And I sort of am like the anti-diet coach. So I teach people how to sort of get rid of diets forever who have maybe been on that diet cycle and gone through that diet drama and diet trauma for many years. And I teach you how to really listen to that inner voice, which we just don't, it's not good for like stores and companies and brands if we just constantly are listening to our own inner voice. It's better for listening to their voice that's saying, do this or change this or buy this. So it's just hard to kind of block out all that noise and center yourself and listen to what your inner voice is needing.
0: So you talk about like tapping into ourselves and sort of this mm-hmm. inner knowing. How, How long does it take? And what's kind of the process from moving from the inner critic? Because most people that are having these sort of behavioral change challenges will be reflecting and they'll be hearing this voice of the inner critic. Mm. How do you get them to shift from the inner critic to Mm. this inner intuition that is more positive? Because that seems like the thing that has to change. Like if we want to change our eating habits, someone's reaching for something out Mm -hmm. of, habit. Mm -hmm. You want them to pause and Mm -hmm. reflect on what they're doing or tell me a little bit about that and how we kind of shift that. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head with that. It is all
1: about changing from an inner critic voice to an inner loving, understanding, compassionate one. The two main ways that I do that are through meditation and through journaling. So in my program, my clients do a journal and a meditation every day. And even if that's two minutes each, that's still at the end of the week, you've done at least 20 minutes of inner work, depending on your specific situation. So for example, with binge eating, that's something that many clients come to me having the issue of. And they're spending their entire day running, 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 answering emails, answering phone calls, working on projects, doing things for other people. And they get home and they just head to the kitchen and they have Two minutes later, they're two slices of pizza deep and they've had cookies and cake and Ritz crackers and yogurt and Twix because they're trying to have that relaxation moment and their body is telling them slow down. But without giving yourself the time to really ask yourself what this binge is doing, you're just going to keep doing it and then feeling guilty about it. So it's about taking that moment and that's sort of what I'm there to coach you through to... Do a journal, do a meditation. The prompt for a journal might be, what is this binge trying to tell us? If this were a divine gift, what would this gift be? What is it giving you the message of? And oftentimes that's to slow down, that's to incorporate relaxation, to incorporate more pleasure in your day. And your brain is actually doing what it knows best. It's trying to give you that moment of joy, of pleasure, of relaxation that every brain is sort of hardwired to feel. We have actually more receptors in our brain for pleasure than any other feeling. So if we don't give ourselves those pleasure moments, it's going to come out in unwanted symptoms of... Overeating or binge eating or overspending or something where that's really the symptom of an unbalanced life versus looking at the binge as the issue. It's not. It's actually just the symptom that's coming from an imbalance. But without that moment of reflection, it's hard to really pinpoint where that imbalance is coming from. And then we can't sort of go in, change the underlying root cause, and then see the binge sort of die away because it's not needed anymore. So usually it's there because it's vastly needed in your life for some Mm -hmm. reason. That's really where that pause is super helpful in finding the root cause of the situation.
0: People talk about battling with urges and cravings Mm -hmm. and I guess what you're calling this binge, almost like Mm -hmm. autopilot behavior. You Mm -hmm. feel something and then you act on it. And Mm -hmm. so you're trying to interrupt that urge and have Mm -hmm. people stop like is that the main thing is just stopping and how hard is it to get people to stop journal yeah. meditate in the middle yeah. of an urge be present be
1: present yeah, it the binge is trying it to get it be really hard to check out like right. you've been present all day so how do you give yourself that moment to check out Yeah, that is the hardest thing. I would say step one is awareness more than trying to change anything. The first step is always being aware of it, right? Admitting you have the problem, just being aware of the issue.
0: Yes, because if you don't do that, there's no way to get past that. You have to recognize that what you're doing is not healthy for you and you have to know that you want to be healthy. And I feel like that's the (laughs) brain part of it and then you have to get to the action part
1: yeah so I asked my clients to basically become anthropologists. Anthropologists don't have any judgment; they only have curiosity and they only have awareness. So they're just about going into a place, disrupting as little as possible and just taking notes and becoming aware and they never judge they don't say that's terrible what they do or that's great what they do. They're just there to kind of collect information. so that's step one in my program is just being your own anthropologist in your own life, and when you're starting to get that craving for a binge or you know you're about to or you're actually starting to do it, literally saying out loud or if you're in a public place, whispering to yourself or saying it to yourself, I'm binging or I'm about to binge right now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just the act of acknowledging it can start to help dissipate the urge or just lessen the extent of it. That's definitely number one is just recognizing when you're in that trance or you're in that binge moment. Then step two is asking yourself, what do you really need? Because it's rare that you really need all the food that you're binging on. What you usually really need is relaxation, joy, stimulation, connection, something like that. So once you're going to become aware of it, ask yourself what you really need in that moment, get in tune with your true needs. Then we can start to make an action plan on how to give yourself what you really need. And those are, I would say, the three like broad steps for helping So anyone with any overeating, binge eating, restrictive eating issue. One Mm -hmm. is awareness. Two is having that conversation. And three is working on potential alternatives or things that would really help you solve and soothe the true craving. So obviously, we know diving first into a pizza pie is not actually going to give you that relief in 10, 20 minutes or tomorrow or the next week that you're craving. If you're getting home and you're feeling lonely or you're feeling stressed, we need to deal with that. Like, We need to productively deal with what you're really battling. So creating more moments for connection in your life, creating a weekly potluck dinner or movie night with a friend. Maybe it's actually giving yourself that relaxation, buying some candles and some bath salts and having a nightly bath where you're reading or you're watching your favorite Netflix show. Or There's so many ways to really give yourself that true need. But
0: usually food is actually just that band-aid when you first sit down with somebody, do they think it's more about like self-control? Do they sort of berate yes. themselves for not having mm-hmm. willpower? Because mm-hmm. it does seem like a lot of people know the right thing to do. If you say to somebody, mm-hmm. eating a whole pound cake isn't good for you, they're not surprised by that. Yeah, so it's exactly. really a matter of like going back to what we were saying about behavior change and maybe self-control, but then self-control is a lot of it's from the brain. And it's sounding to me like this process of focusing in on your intuition and more Mm self-love and not Mm -hmm. stressing yourself to be like everyone else is even more important. Definitely. I think it's becoming more common
1: knowledge now that willpower is finite and that Mm -hmm. it's not actually what we need to tap into in order to change our Mm -hmm. eating habits because we're not needing to control the binge. We're needing to understand it. That's like, if you think about your relationship with yourself as you Mm -hmm. would your relationship with anyone else in your life, if you had a friend that you were fighting with, you wouldn't say like, oh, why can't I control her more? Why can't right. I like will her into doing what I want her to do? Or same with a partner or co-worker, anything. It's almost helpful to think about yourself as a friend, as a separate person, that you would only receive that love. A friend would only be there for you if you showed them love, if you had a great loving relationship. So your body is the same. It's Your brain is going to make loving decisions if you come from a place of love. It's going to make maybe hurtful or unhelpful decisions if you come from a place of criticizing, of judgment, of self-hate. You can't hate yourself into a body you love, stress yourself into a life you love. You have to come from a place of total compassion and understanding. And I go through this so many times with my clients over months and months of work where they slip back into those habits of judging themselves or being critical of themselves for something. And I always say, you did the perfect thing for yourself in that moment. And let's figure out why. Why did you turn to food instead of going towards the root cause? Because you had a stressful day and you're dealing with a lot and you have two kids and you have a job and you have a husband. Of course, you're going to have moments where you don't have time to stop and think about what you really need. And you're going back to your what you know how to do best to nourish yourself. So letting go, number one, of any guilt, of any judgment, of any criticism of yourself. And again, going back to that anthropologist example, being curious and wanting to understand yourself and love yourself better and more. And the more you can come from a place of that, the the more ease you will have in making those loving decisions. But diet culture is so ingrained in our brains and in our hearts and in our minds of how we can change our bodies that we need to restrict ourselves into the body that we love. We need to punish ourselves and be this taskmaster when it comes to food and exercise. And that's why 99% of diets don't work. And people Mm -hmm. always end up gaining back at least as much weight as they lost, if not more. So we know it doesn't work, but it's hard to get out of that mainstream marketing media cycle of this is how we have to do it. So that's sort of what I'm
0: up against. It's true. I mean, I like that you went to the school called the Institute for the Psychology of eating Mm -hmm. because it is so much about psychology. And I think that's why people get so frustrated with diets. You just jump into a diet and it's all about brain and willpower. And it doesn't get to that sort of root cause of, do I love myself? Am I taking care of myself? Am I a priority? Which all leads to much more sort of self-awareness and self-regulation. But it is a process. Do you see people having just lots and lots of setbacks or do you know when it clicks in and I guess what I'm trying to get at is for our listeners if they're not able to work with you directly are there five things that you would recommend to start the year that would help to kick start a new eating habit for yourself mm, here's
1: the thing so many people who are dealing with these issues have been dealing with them for years So any kind of quick fix or even saying like five things to do to change your eating habits, it's even if you do those five things, it's going to take some time. So just give yourself that pass that it's not going to happen overnight. And that's kind of a good thing because anything that happens quickly fades quickly. So you need to give yourself that time and that space to gently change your habits And I think letting that be a comfort. So it's always obviously perspective, right? You could say like, oh, why can't I change this tomorrow? But if you were expected to change everything about your relationship with food and your body tomorrow, that's stressful, right? So just giving yourself that time, that space to know that, okay, it might take me the next six months or a year, but God, I've been dealing with this for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. So in the scheme of things, a year is nothing, you know? And then for the rest of my life, I'll have a great relationship with food. Like, that's wonderful. So I think getting out of that mindset that it's going to take you a week or 30 days or a month to change it. That's just not realistic. Number one is give yourself permission to take time. Number two is I think books and podcasts on these subjects are super helpful so I would say like anything by like Gabby Bernstein or Janine Roth. Those are two of my favorites when it comes to learning how to really love yourself on a spiritual level, and not just these are how many calories or grams of protein or fat that you need to be consuming every day because that stuff never lasts. I love anything by those two ladies. Definitely meditation. So I heard an amazing quote the other day that I love: meditation helps loosen the soil of our mind. And you can't plant anything in dense, compact soils. And many of our minds are like those dense, compact, hardened soils that are just so full of thoughts and beliefs. And I want to put everything in life in boxes and label them. But meditation sort of helps loosen that soil to help new ideas come to the surface. And it's just like a better environment for planting and growing and that kind of thing. So that's what I love about using meditation with my clients is it helps them see things in a new light. It helps them start to process things differently. It just creates a more fertile ground for a new perspective, which is so much about changing your life so much as usually like changing your perspective on things. So I think turning to meditation, that would be my third. Third. (laughs) Yeah. Next, I would say journaling because our thoughts are not linear. So we can have like these swirling, whirling, different thoughts that lead us in all directions. But when we write, that could really help us understand our thoughts and understand the root causes of things. And sometimes I do a journal and I just can't believe what's coming out of me. You know, it's like <laughs> the most divine wisdom from someone else is coming from me. So I think it really helps get you to your most wise self is giving yourself that space to journal. And even if it's something as simple as what do I need right now? Or one of my favorites is writing a journal entry, a letter from my mind to my body, and then back from my body to my mind. That's a cool idea. That one is... Incredible. You po- not believe what comes out of that one.
0: I uh, like what do I need right now too. Mm-hmm. And I like things like what does it mean to be the best expression of myself today? So what are some of the other topics that you would recommend people journal on to find that voice if it's not as top of mind when they start writing? Yeah.
1: So definitely the letter from body to mind, mind to body, definitely what do I need to feel right now? What does success look like for me today? What is something that I have resisted feeling that needs to be felt is a great one. If there's something that someone is really frustrated with in their life, I love making that the lesson. So if this were sent to me as like a gift, what would this gift and what would this lesson be? So often I've had a couple clients that have had injuries and haven't been able to work out. And they're Mm -hmm. very frustrated by this because they're very eager to get their body into a certain state. And they're so angry at their wrist or their ICL torn or whatever it is for happening. And then I love turning that around and saying, if this were a gift, what would it mean? If everything was happening for you and not to you, what would this look like then? And oftentimes things come out like I really, really need to slow down and focus on my restorative exercises, maybe getting into more stretching or yoga. I need to slow down and work on my mind, on meditation. So there's so many ways to kind of tap into what we need right now. But those are some of my favorite prompts.
0: So you mentioned giving yourself time, not expecting things to happen right away, listening to some of the books and podcasts that you're recommending that are mostly focused on. Loving yourself, and the third was meditation and loosening the soil of your mind. I love that quote. And the fourth was journaling. Is there another step, or do you think those are really the things that you yeah, really if I, focus on? If I had to choose a fifth step, I would say
1: add more joy into your life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because awesome. usually food is joy for us, and that's a beautiful thing, and it should be right. But often, what we really need is a non-food related joy. I actually spoke about this in one of my newsletters that with resolutions coming up, everyone's like, eat less sugar, eat this many calories a day, work out this many times a week. But what they're not realizing is that if you don't add in a replacement for that sort of joy that you're trying to cut out, you're going to go back to food as your source of relaxation and happiness. So maybe you want to get a weekly massage, or maybe you want to do a weekly dance class, or you want to get a membership to a streaming service that you love the movies on. There's so many ways to incorporate. So I would even do like a joy inventory and like, Mm. what in your life brings you joy? And what are other things that you can add in? Or how can you increase what you already have? So if you cook with your family. Once every few months, maybe you want to start doing that more. Maybe you want to like get a girlfriend together and cook through a cookbook together or meal prep together. Or there's so many ways to increase your connection and your joy. We just kind of get, get creative and make time to do it. So I would say that's the fifth thing yeah, that you I can mean, do. I
0: love these because actually, none of them have anything to do with food, which I find so interesting. So it's like that's right. where you need to start. Mm-hmm. Be a happier person overall and love yourself more those seem to be the most important in terms of focus. But in your coaching practice, so you focus a lot on the whole person, mm-hmm. but you also teach how to eat in a way that's good for the particular person. Because I know you talk about like Whole30 and hacks for eating. What are some of the things that you also think about as it relates to food? Yeah,
1: it's very individualized, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing about my practice is that we have to start with deepening your relationship with yourself and your communication with yourself so that we can understand what food is actually nourishing you and what maybe aren't serving you. I have a lot of clients that no longer, myself included, can really eat raw vegetables in the winter because their digestion is just not... I mean, we're not even really supposed to be eating raw vegetables in the winter. They're very cooling and they're just more taxing on our digestive system. So if you're not super healthy when it comes to digestion then you can have issues with that so a lot of times it's teaching people how to eat more nourishingly based on the seasons and just to listen to the cues so a lot of people will say like i've been eating just salads and i have terrible stomach aches and you know what Salads aren't great for everyone, but we start to label foods as good or bad, as healthy or not healthy. And this is something that I really struggled with when I was first trying to, I was dealing with leaky gut and autoimmune stuff is I was having like quinoa bowls and sweet green salads and I was feeling so sick all the time. And I couldn't understand because I was eating healthy food. So I really try and teach you how to listen to your own cue, so you can decide what is healthy for you. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. this time of year, we add in bone broth and stews and soups and warming cooked foods that will just help your body with inflammation or ease your digestion so that you can spend your energy on other things. Because it takes a lot of energy to digest your food and to warm up cold or raw foods. So giving yourself that sort of head start so you can have that leftover energy to have a productive day. I often recommend things like collagen supplements for gut health and probiotics lots of probiotic rich foods, sauerkraut, kimchi, great yogurt, raw cheeses, things like that. Often there are people that have just been so stuck on so many different elimination diets. So sometimes your protocol is just to relax and enjoy everything and stop putting so many rules on your diet because that can also cause a lot of stress, which leads to issues with digestion. So sometimes you just need to do what's more relaxing for your mind, which is totally in relationship to your digestive system, and your nervous system. So
0: you don't have like good foods, bad foods, or you don't encourage no. people to limit sugar or salt unless they have a condition or do you try to, are there some foods, well, like processed foods, for example, or do most of the people that come to you already kind of know what's good for them? And so you're really focused on the behavior.
1: I would say I just help people become detectives in their own life more so than preach my own. Our bodies are so unique and our microbiomes and our digestive systems. And it's so bespoke that it would be really strange for me to just come in blindly after one session or two sessions and just be like, this is your eating plan. I mean, people do that, but it's a trick, honestly. It's very egotistical in my opinion, because to think that I would know exactly what you should eat without helping you understand that or really understanding your life and your lifestyle, I think it's more about asking you the right questions, helping you ask yourself the right questions to get Mm -hmm. to those answers. And I'm great at being that sort of inquisitive person to say, let's talk about how this made you feel. And what would you want to feel after a meal? And what are meals in your life that you when do you feel the best? My initial 90 minute session is so long and it's so full of so many questions you wouldn't even think to ask someone. What do people celebrate you for? Like what are times in your life where these symptoms are the least strong so that we can get to the bottom of many times the relationship that you have with food and your health, like when a food is good for you or when it's bad for you mm-hmm. often happens around who you're eating it with or what time of day it is or if you're on vacation or if you're at work at your desk stressed and eating in front of the computer. So. For me to blanket statement something and say like, you should never eat sugar or gluten or dairy. That's also just not realistic because we don't live in a life where you can cut those things out and never see them again. Sugar is around us all the time. And it's something that we have to sort of develop a healthy relationship with versus I think cutting it out completely. That might work for some people and then that's great. But oftentimes you need to really have a more moderate relationship with it in order to Have a good relationship with it forever. I've seen people cut it out completely and then they go binge on it two months later. So I'm thinking long term.
0: Well, I love what you're saying about being a detective because I think that's it. You want to become more curious about yourself so that you can find the solutions that are best for you personally. Because you're right, they're not the same for everyone. On your website, you have a blog that's called Your Most Underrated Superpower. What is our most underrated superpower?
1: It's your breath. Uh, Basically, your breath has the ability, and I'm sure you know this, that uh it has the ability to change our heart rate, to change which nervous system response we're in, whether we're in fight or flight or rest and digest. It just is an incredible tool, can help us see things differently. I know that when I'm in a sort of like panicky or like fear based mindset, if I step one, I'm aware of it, recognize it, say to myself, Mm -hmm. okay, you're in your fear mode or you're in fight or flight right now, and I start to focus on my third eye and take some deep breaths and just sort of center myself, I am all of a sudden a different person with different opinions and different reactions and responses than I was just 30 seconds ago. So for me, breath is like a real tool to get into your wise mind versus your emotional mind and just go from a place of...
0: Love and relaxation versus that sort of fear-based distancing. yeah thing that feels so right on because the breath can make you in that moment, be more focused on something other than your binge or your urge or something else that's sort of outside of you. So that's a really mm-hmm. cool way to think about that. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today that you think would be really helpful as we go into the new year? I can't
1: stress enough, just love yourself. Just Mm. let go of any of the criticism or shame or we're all human. If you felt it, I've felt it. Too often, we think we're the only ones dealing with health or food or body issues. And I think the shame lies in the loneliness and the feeling like we're alone in this. And the truth is, if you put this out to the world, I bet you'd have so many people saying, me too, me too, back to you. So- just know like you are loved and you are perfect and you are wonderful and just you deserve all the happiness and joy and just rest in that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Also reaching out for help, like searching for podcasts or for books. That's what helped me so much in the beginning feel like I wasn't alone. And I really, I couldn't believe how many other amazing women were dealing with similar issues
0: Yeah, and
1: yeah. how far they'd come getting support through these things is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and it's a sign of self-love. So committing to, whether it's working with a coach, reading a book, listening to podcast episodes, giving yourself that time for yourself is so, so important. And you're only going to be a better mother, sister, father, friend, lover, anything if you give yourself that time to love and appreciate and take care of yourself. So a lot of times people can think, Spending this money and time on themselves is a selfish thing, but it's really not. You see it with moms that are so much happier around food and around their kids and have so much more energy because they have been treating themselves well. And it's incredible how much this stuff can change every aspect of your life. So
0: so important. So important. Thank you so much, Natalie. We're so happy to have you you on Untangle. And these are such great insights and so 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 grateful to have you on the show today so happy to be here and I
1: love your meditation app I use it all the time so I um, highly recommend yay. that as,
0: awesome. as one of my five steps yeah. yay thank you thanks so much to Natalie for being with us today you can find more about her at nataliezices.com Zices is spelled Z-I-S-E-S if you have a minute would you give us a review or rating it helps to get the word out And if you have feedback or suggestions for guests, email us at patricia at meditationstudioapp.com. And don't forget to download Meditation Studio in the App Store. We'll see you next time.